0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Fix Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host, and this is a special bonus trade deadline edition where we're going to look ahead to see who might deal players, who might acquire players, what players might be in the move on the move, and much more. To join us to do that, our buddy CBS Sports NFL Insider. Been a while, been a hot minute. Jason Lockeford, what's up, buddy?
1: I'm doing all right. It has been has been a minute. You you've had. A lot going
0: on. Yeah, we've been podcasting a bunch, but uh, you know, the football is good. The football is pretty good, right? It's been a fun. It season. is. It's moving hey, fast. It's
1: happening. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's by and large on schedule. You can tell how much the players and teams are invested in it. Um, it it's certainly different with the game day stuff and the fans, and you know, there's no uh, obviously the, the stadium game day experience is massively drastically different than before, but we're almost at the half, you know, we're creeping up on the halfway point, which look back in the summer, nobody in the league office would have absolutely guaranteed you. They're playing football in the Halloween. They, they didn't know. And, and we still don't know about what's around the corner, but uh, each week that they're able to, to get a slate of games off and do it in a, in a safe and, and relatively healthy manner. um, That's a big win.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think – and maybe this is, I mean, sort of selfish as somebody who covers it but doesn't, you know, go to football games. I mean, I, I've missed my, you know, my Saturday tailgates and all that, but, you know, I don't think right. Sunday, Sunday hasn't been an, an appreciable difference in terms of the game day experience for me personally. Now, if somebody's used to going to a, um, you know, a Panthers game or a Washington football game or a Ravens game every Sunday, uh, it's obviously been very different watching it at home uh and and certainly for the players it's a different experience but yeah i think you're right getting getting to the trade deadline right i mean what two postponed games three postponed games and and or uh, rescheduled games i guess and not having to add week 18 yet I, i think the nfl would have signed off on that in blood back in uh back in july or august yeah no
1: there's there's no doubt about it um they knew that nothing was going to be guaranteed, especially when you start opening these buildings up, and you have that many people coming in and out every day. Even with testing and, and, and you know the, the best intention protocols, you, you didn't know what the situation in some of these cities would be like, and frankly, in, in, in some of these states where where they play NFL football, um, everything about the numbers, the hospitals, uh, it's troubling. Uh, it's incredibly troubling. Yet. Yet they've managed, without a bubble, to by and large stay um, COVID free, and and particularly oddly, some might say, uh, remarkably COVID free in in you know areas like Green Bay and and like Indianapolis, and you know what I mean, and like some of these other parts of the country. um, What was going on in Arizona and Texas, and it's it's really not great anywhere. um, Yet this this has worked um you know exponentially better than i think you know anybody could have hoped for
0: agreed completely uh one of the spots that have been hit is uh the new england patriots they've dealt with some guys having COVID. cam newton of course missed a game and they, they're they're oh and two they've uh and two since cam came back they're on a three-game losing streak the first since uh 2002, the first three game losing streak under Bill Belichick is 2002. That's insane. Jesus. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's just crazy to think about how long it's been. I went back and rewatched that game, uh, to sort of write about it because I think it's fascinating to see the juxtaposition of what the Patriots are doing and what the Buccaneers are doing. And everybody who's pinning this on Cam Newton, uh, this loss of the 49ers. That, I don't think that's the case. Cam was bad. Don't get me wrong. Nine of 15, 98 yards, zero touchdowns, three picks. One was a deep shot down the field at the end of the first half where right. sort of an arm punt. Another was hit Julian Edelman. Ball placement wasn't good, but, you know, you can't pop the ball up and have the defender steal it. The other was just an awful throw. I, I got to tell you, look at watching the game, though. I feel like you can pin more of it on scheme. And I, I don't think Josh McDaniels had a very good game. And that's fine. You just got Kyle Shanahan had a great one. Josh McDaniels didn't. Um, you, I think you pin it more on scheme, and even more on again, just like it was last year with Brady. Yeah. On the guys around him, there's no one right. there to help. Jacoby Myers, Jameer no. Bird, J- Julian Edelman is yeah. aging. This is a team, Jason, that that almost has to go out and get some help at receiver if they want to contend this year, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, you, you know, whatever Bill Belichick's master plan is, you you think it generally includes trying to win now at all costs while also tend the the fort for, you know, mind it for the long term. Um, but that division is still sitting there open, you know, for the taking. Yep. They know internally that, yeah, Cam has not been great, but we had, you know, early in this year when we had a healthy offensive line, um, when we had a full array of weapons in the run game, we could play rugby. We could trick you on the ground. We could run through you. We can run around you. Um, They had some stuff going on that was very difficult for a number of teams uh, to to, to, to contend with. Um, Cam is not looked at as the problem in that building to any stretch. Um, It's more about what can we do to, to give him a fighting chance and, part of it's out of everybody's control when you have to keep reshuffling the offensive line like they have, um, you know, especially two weeks ago, it, it, it was really untenable to have to keep trying to figure out down after down who's available, who's not, who's at this position, who's at that position. And then what can we run that allows us to try to get something off of that. But, but the, the, I mean, go look at their tight end play this year. They the, Like the tight ends are not involved in the passing game at all. I mean, it's like a hundred total yards out of a tight end position through, you know, we're, we're almost at Halloween. Um, Edelman is not what he once was. He's not, he's only so much he can do uh, in tight spaces. He's not getting any bigger. He is getting slower. He is getting more beat up. He is getting more frustrated. And he knows there's nobody for him to play off of. There's nobody else right. to worry about. I mean, they've got no semblance of a downfield passing game whatsoever because who can separate? Who can move? Who can even get open downfield? It, it literally, it's, I mean, people talk about the Jets offense and all that. Boy, th- this is even worse. Like, it, it just is. Um, there's nowhere to go. There's no one you can they really kill bust.
0: for Jameson Crowder and Prashad Perryman in New England. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> at least it's speed.
1: A guy who could get open in the slot and a guy who could run 50 yards downfield on a fly route. Like, yeah, we'd sign up for that. Like I will, we'll take that. That's a start. Um, you look at how they're positioned for the future. They got nobody making more than $8 million next year. They've got incredible flexibility. Um, you know, now, uh, does he want to trade for old guys? I don't think so. They're not trading a two for a Muhammad Sanu type this year, you know. They're not trading a two for whatever, Golden Tate or Marvin Jones. Uh, but, like, could they do something for a Will Fuller? Could even bringing Brandon Cooks back in make sense? Um, would a Chris Herndon be a much better option at tight end than anything they have? Or even a Darren Fels, um, who, again, is not a specimen. He's not going to beat you with freakish Athletic talent, but he's going to catch what's there. He can run decent routes. Um, it is it is a glaring deficiency, and and the Bills the last three weeks don't don't tell me that's a juggernaut, you know, because it ain't. Uh,
0: no, it, you know, I I think that I think the Patriots the Patriots are five to one to win the division at William Hill right now. To me, that's good value, not because the Patriots are awesome or anything like that, but you're banking on Bill Belichick being able to turn it around. And the Bills defense not getting it together and Josh Allen sort of coming back to earth in a way that he has the last few weeks. Two names that you mentioned that I think are interesting. And I, I don't know. I, I, just, I just don't know what the sense of what Belichick will do because like if I, if I was Belichick and I'm, I'm not, um, I'm a, I'm an insane person, but I would go out and I would go call the Vikings and be like, listen, you guys stink. What do you want for Adam Thielen? And yeah. I would call the Texans and be like, Hey, you guys, Hey Jack. Uh, if you're if you're not if you're not you know preaching right now uh, and feel like doing some some contract stuff or some trade stuff, Will Fuller is an unrestricted free agent next year. What do you want for Will Fuller? Yeah. And I would if you put Will Fuller and Adam Thielen on, on that team with Cam Newton, all of a sudden the Patriots are cooking with gas on offense. And, yeah.
1: Keep and, a couple and guys healthy up front. It could, it could be interesting. Um, I mean, and you, it also gives the defense a fighting chance because yeah. part of the problem now is the defense just knows it's going to be three and out, three and out. Um, they know there's no playmakers on the other side of the ball, and then you know somebody like Cal Shanahan is just going to run it down your throat and bleed you to death, and that's yeah. you know that's what we pretty much saw o- over the weekend. Um, I mean,
0: they, they absolutely pounded like the Patriots' front seven was mauled by the by the by the Forty scheme and an offensive line up front, and they and I mean Jeff Wilson was just running into wide open spaces, and you know Debo Samuel is catching the ball again, with room to roam. I mean, do you do you? I mean, do you have do you get the sense that the Patriots would do something as drastic as trade for a Will Fuller or an Adam Thielen? They they made. I mean, they gave up a second last year for Mohamed yeah. Sanu, and I know that that cuts both ways, right? That was a terrible trade because Mohamed Sanu didn't work out, and you gave up a second. Yeah,
1: for him. I mean, he got he got hurt as soon as he got there, and he's not he's not going to beat you with. He'll beat you with guile. He'll beat you with you know awareness and and finding holes and. And being a veteran, he's not gonna beat you with speed. He's not gonna beat you with right. you know, the ability to go up and high point a ball. Um yeah, I look Belichick's always active. Um will will he cling to his draft picks maybe a little bit more? Partly for being gun shy, um, partly for figuring that in such a weird college football year he might be able to have some sort of advantages or find some market inefficiencies in the college game that other people don't. Yeah, there might be some of that going on, but I think when he's sitting there watching this film and he's looking at the standings, and he's, look, let's be real, looking at what's going on in Tampa, um, he's got to give his quarterback a fighting chance, you know? And Cam's not going to be as vocal about it as Tom was, because they don't have that sort of relationship, and Cam hasn't been there that long, but... <laughs> You know, it, it is what it is. This is not, you. You do you, the roster is not going to allow you to compete on that side of the ball, especially against decent teams. So, yeah, I, I think all those, you know, I think all those options are in play. I think he's absolutely making those phone calls. Um, you know, is the best he can come away with a Kyle Rudolph just because he doesn't want to pay prices, right. um, you know, of what other people want? that That may be, and I don't know that a guy like that, <laughs> that's to me just another old dude who can't really, you know, who can't do what he once did. Now, can, can, can he help you out a little bit in the red zone short yardage? Yeah, I mean, okay. But but they, they need somebody that a defense has to look twice at. Uh, and, and there, you know, there are those players available. It's just can they agree um, on a on a price point. But, yeah, ben Perryman got dinged up again. Uh, but I, I would take and, – and, and staying durable has always been a problem for him, and he doesn't have great hands. But he's, he's so much better than anything they it's have, so, which, yeah, is, yeah. which is staggering, which is staggering, but it's true. All
0: right, well, let's talk about some teams that might be uh, selling. Because it, it's interesting, this year maybe – it's 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 odd, actually. This year, maybe more than ever, you would expect teams not to sell because the expanded playoffs is giving people – uh, you know, a greater hope of making the postseason. You don't want to dump a bunch of veterans. Um, and it's, it's going to be hard to move guys in, in a COVID season, especially with the timing of, you know, Tuesday trade, trade deadline and you got to go through protocols and all that. So you sort of, if you want, like you can't trade for somebody on a Tuesday and suit them up on a, on a right. Sunday, obviously you need to sort of trade this week.
1: Or he just doesn't play one of the games. But, I mean, a lot of these moves are more about (laughs) December and January than, you know, necessarily what he gives me in my Week 9 matchup.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But um, even with the expanded playoffs, we have all these teams who we presumed would be contenders that are just terrible. Like, the Falcons thought they'd be contenders. The Texans thought they'd be contenders. Certainly the Cowboys thought they would be contenders. And yet there is a lot of buzz, Jason, about the – the Cowboys potentially moving players. Is there, um, you know, Everson Griffin is a name that was bandied about as a possible guy. They could trade signed to a one-year deal. Uh, is do you think the Cowboys will be serious trade trade traders at the deadline or would they assess this with the, with a realism not often found in Jerry Jones's mindset?
1: No, I mean the guys who people would want by and large, they wouldn't, they're not, I don't see him moving young cheap assets. You know, I don't,
0: CeeDee Lamb's not for sale.
1: No. Michael Gallup, I don't see it. Um, He's not wired that way. That would be too much admitting defeat. I mean, they don't have an offensive line. You know what I mean? They don't have an offensive line. Nobody's taking DeMarcus Lawrence's contract off him unless he eats a bunch of money. Um, I, I just don't see them having a lot of what people want and what they do have that people would want. I don't think he'll sell. I mean, Griffin, sure. I mean, if I were them, I would auction off Alden Smith. I mean, I would, hey, you know, Godspeed. We'll have to draft your replacement. But even then, I don't know what the value is because a lot of other teams are going to have trepidation about. I mean, there's a reason the dude was out of the league for four years, you know. And And I just don't see Jerry being a guy who is going to, sit back and, and start to, to answer, like when you're doing stuff like that, you're, you're starting to probe at like real macro level questions about how your team was constructed and why it was constructed <laughs> and what works and what doesn't work and what direction you're going. And that's Jerry just wants to party on Sunday, man. Jerry just wants to win. Foot. You know what I mean? Like that's part of the reason that they they're a Frankenstein team almost every year. It's because of, the general manager is the owner. And if the players just want to do an end around on the coach, they just go to the GM's office. And who's the GM? Oh, he's the owner. And he's the guy who actually paid me. He's the guy who thinks I'm worth this much money. He's the guy who's telling the coach I'm worth this much money. And it's just the coach's fault that, you know, the coach has got to be the problem because I know I'm worth this money. And Jerry directly paid me the money, negotiated the contract, put me into his budget. Um, he is the general manager. He He's looking at me as a, as an owner and saying I'm worth it, he's looking at me as a football evaluator and saying I'm worth it. If these damn coaches would just get out of the way, we'd be like, I don't think Jerry, I don't think Jerry's ready to go there, you know, in, in November, uh, 2020 in a pandemic to sit back and say, wait a minute, maybe the whole way we're doing this is broken. And maybe I need to start really shedding, um, the kind of assets who I frankly think are, are better than the market does. But let me get pennies on the dollar for him just so I can get more draft picks to try to rebuild an offensive line that desperately needs it. I think Jerry's more like, oh Tyrod will come back next year and we'll be fine. It's like, I don't know, dude, he's a three hundred pound dude who's had you know, consecutive years with neck injuries. Like, I don't know, Jerry. Like <laughs> probably not. You know, Lyle Collins is kinda, kinda kinda is what it is with him physically now too, you know? One of those dudes retired last year. That's not what it once was. You you, you need you know, you need to rebuild that whole unit. I I just don't think he's there. I mean, he's throwing money at Gerald McCoy a few months ago, you know, because they think they're just one or two old guys away. Don't know that he's equipped to do the kind of mental calculus it would take for him to do a real step back at 30,000 feet and see just how flawed that team is. I don't think he's ready to, to, to have those conversations. When he, when he looks at the standings and says, well, these other teams are crap too, you know, and I'm only a couple games behind them.
0: I, I think that's the, that's a great point too. Is like the Cowboys are two and five; they are arguably the worst team in professional football, and I say that with all due respect to Adam Gase. Like, I think there's a decent argument that the Cowboys are worse, and that they they really should be um, they should be winless. I mean, right? They're, they're yeah. a horrible football team. They're I mean, they're a hor- team. they're a horrible football team. And, and um, when and but like, they are on
1: defense, exactly. But. but, 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 but I mean, and yes, Dak and yada yada yada. They're exactly who I thought they'd be on defense. I thought yeah. they'd be a complete and utter train wreck that are going to try to do one thing: get to the ball on the way to the quarterback. And if we stop the run, we stop the run. But we're going to get a lot of sacks. <laughs> all right, good luck with that, with no secondary behind them.
0: Right, and as you mentioned, the like, th- there are stars and scrubs roster, and all their stars are now hurt. If you build your team around stars and scrubs. And all your stars get hurt. You are screwed bad. The one guy that I think would be interesting, and I don't think they'll do this because for the, for the, for the very reasons you laid out. Um, but it, unless I'm reading this wrong, you could trade Amari Cooper and it would not be, a, it would not oh, be punitive. Yeah. And you have Michael Gallup who hasn't been very productive this year, but they have three wide receivers to feed plus Dalton Schultz plus you know, they have the never ending uh, Zeke Elliott requirements in terms of touches. Ceedee Lamb, who's a a first-round pick. Like, if you traded Amari Cooper this year, you could probably get a second-round pick for him. Maybe. I mean, I don't know if you're getting a first for him with his contract, but if you get a second-round pick for Amari Cooper, and you say we're going to go with Gallup and Lamb moving forward, let's get and then a young player with a second-round pick. That would be a smart move. I, I tend to agree with you that I don't know if Jerry Jones is is has the mental calculus for it. Um. Awesome. Well, the other
1: thing, too, though, there yeah. is, now that takes two to tango. Like, you, that Somebody smells take like a salary parties. dump, right? That's a salary dump. That's not a football trade. Like, let's be real about what that would be. If you're trading this it's like Ngakwe. Why did they get value for Ngakwe? Cause they, they, because six weeks ago, they just acquired him, and now they're willing to move off of him. So, like, they just doubled down on Amari Cooper. So, if they're now broken and flawed to the point where, well, let's move some of that salary to reconfigure ourselves for the future – then people are buying low on Amari Cooper because now I got to go to my owner and say, "Yeah, hey, you feel like picking up a twenty million dollar a year receiver in the middle of a pandemic? Are we going to have fans next year? I don't know. Are we going to play the Super Bowl this year? I don't know. Is camp going to start next time next year on time? I don't know. Is there going to be a combine? Is it all going to be virtual? I don't know. Are they going to finish the college football season? I don't know. I, I, you know, who's that guy? Who's that owner who does that? You know, and and, and some of them that would want to. To try to do the salary cap gymnastics on the fly to get him in is is an issue. You know, I, I think it would have to be a team, a team like a you Miami, take on you know what I mean? To like to a mid-level team that, that that thinks they can make that turn with him and that he would put them over the top and that he's a guy they would want to have around for three or four years. And we were going to go fishing, you know, at that position in free agency anyway, where well, we were really going to, you know, we're really talking a lot about, you know, trying to sign Allen Robinson. So let's just go get this. I mean, that team probably exists, but I don't, you know, a lot of the teams that would want to do it, you know, the Ravens come to mind. You know, they just, they, they just couldn't, you know, they couldn't make the math work.
0: Yeah, that's fair. All right. Uh, a couple more sellers to look at. The Texans and the Falcons, I think, I mean, at least somewhat surprising to general fans that the Texans and Falcons are both terrible. I don't know if you, mm-hmm. you know, if you follow those teams that you thought they would necessarily be great. Um, Jack, they've, you know, they fired their coaches. Could these, and their GMs. And their GMs. Yeah. And their offensive coordinator in the case of the uh, Texans. Could the, yep. uh, could, could these teams, dump off assets this year or will they rich mckay hinted that the falcons will hold off and let allow the next general manager to do stuff how how do you see these two teams i think
1: you have to look at how those teams are presently constructed rich mckay uh has immense power right now rich mckay was a part of the you know he helped set the budgets he helped determine where the money was spent he was a part of building that monster um He's now going to have a GM and a a coach. It sounds like reporting directly to him. Uh, (laughs) And he has close relationships with a lot of people who are in that building already and probably wants them to continue to get paychecks from that owner. So I don't think he's going to be willing to say um, it's it's already set up. Like he's going to be the guy moving forward. People are going to report to him. I think he wants to see this thing through. I think he wants that Matt Ryan contract like, Look how long it took them to get to the point where they fired the coach and the GM. Like they still really, ble- they don't, they have, they have not had that moment of clarity when they're like, oh wow, we really are bleeped for the next three years. And yeah, none of these guys are ascending players. And next year is probably going to be even rougher. And we're we're years away. We're years away from being on the up uptick, let alone a contender. I just don't think they're there. I don't. Know. I know they're not there. Otherwise, Rich McKay would have been fired too. Yeah. So, I don't think they're going to do it. You know, I just don't, I, I don't, I don't think they're going to, would be willing to sit there and say, let's have an, an auction for Grady Jarrett because he's the guy we could probably get the most for. And yeah, he's 27, 28, but we ain't going to be good till he's 31. So I just don't think that's how they're looking at it. And then these other contracts, nobody's really interested in taking them on in the middle of the season. And a lot of these guys are older and, and getting worse. Um, so no, I don't think they do much of anything at all. I don't. Houston's a different story because no one knows what's going to happen there. You got Easterby involved, you got a search firm involved. Um, it's it's a it's a power struggle. Um, you you've got differing sort of agendas there. And if I'm be, I'm saying, well, how do how could I look smart to this owner right now? What could I do to help this owner right now um, because he just made a seismic change. And I'm going to save him some money, and I'm going to try to make this job more attractive so that I can maybe get my buddy Nick Casario or somebody like that to want to come here. Because I know this owner really tried like hell to get him a couple of years ago, and then Belichick scared him off. But how do I make the job more attractive than Nick Casario? <laughs> he needs draft picks. Dude,
0: Miami is going to get a top-five pick in, in this the first year two, from them, two, two years after Laramie Tonsil. I know. It's, I it's, mean, it's a It's a mess.
1: Come on, like that's that's crazy talk. As great as they want to say Laramie Tunsil is, he, he he, that that's a crazy ass trade that hasn't even fully smacked them in the face yet. So I I gotta have I gotta have picks to offset that. Like I I that's the and, and I I need to clear the deck a little bit here from a salary standpoint. So I mean, do I think it's impossible that JJ Watt's traded? No, I, I think it's unlikely because of age, injury, contract, but. J.J. Watt, if you watched his Zooms after that game, he struck me as a guy who'd be on the first thing hopping out of there if he could go to a contender. You know, Whitney Merciless, uh, you know, even guys like Zach Cunningham when they paid not that long ago, Um, you know, I've heard heard his name come up. We mentioned a couple of receivers. We mentioned Darren Fells, you know, even the Duke Johnson. Uh, That's the team that I hear is the closest to entertaining fire sale type thoughts. And even the connotation of fire sale is –
0: Ridiculous! Like, it's, it's your, you're they, shoving they, chairs they, off the Titanic is what you're doing. You're not. Yeah, you're sort of,
1: I, I mean, they they don't a, have any draft capital. Yeah. They're paying the left tackle like a quarterback. They're paying the quarterback like a top five quarterback. Um, and they the right side of their offensive line is garbage. The defensive line is terrible, even with with merciless and Watt. The sec the secondary they're giving up 600 yards like a game like the last three weeks. Uh, <laughs> I mean they don't have any building blocks and they don't have draft picks and they've got a lot of money sunk in four or five guys um it's it's a disaster and the only way out is going to be through the draft uh yeah you could go you know you could sign a few free agents who might want to play with Watson but they they're the team that people are really focused on right now and and enough people have told Cal McNair this is the only way out that I think he's much closer mentally to being in a position to understand the depth of his problems than what I think a Rich McKay's talking to an Arthur Blank about or what I think Jerry and Stephen Jones could ever bring themselves to contemplate.
0: I mean, this this roster looks like it was constructed by a guy who's a motivational speaker for the Patriots five years ago. Um, all right, we got going to take a very quick break, and we'll come back and wrap up the rest of these teams. Okay, so the Vikings and the Bengals strike me as teams that should be willing to trade, and uh, the Vikings might be, but the Bengals won't be?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, the Bengals, I think Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap have made it so clear they want out of there. And look, they're not alone. Carlos Dunlap tweeted
0: that his house is for sale.
1: Yeah, and I mean, and this has been going on for weeks, and I've been writing about it and talking about it for weeks. Like, there's a near mutiny on the defense. No one on the defense buys the defensive coordinator who's a veteran. They just don't. Like, and William Jackson isn't the kind of guy who's going to go knock on the owner's door and say, Get me the bleep out of here. But, like, he would do backflips if some contender came for him. Um, basically, that's how all, all the veterans feel. Like, they don't know what they're doing here. They don't know how to use me. They don't know how to win games. And they're going to probably cut me in the off season or I'm a free agent and I'm not going to resign here anyway. And you're not going anywhere this year. So just take a couple picks and do the right thing. They've been conscientious objectors basically to the trade deadline for years. They're, they're, they're talking in a way that lets people sort of feel like there's a chance they'll make a trade or two. Um, but not of of the significance or to the length that, that they should go. And they missed their chance with AJ last year. I mean, I know people say we was hurt. Uh, I think he would have been uh, able to pass a physical, (laughs) had uh, had that, had that possibility arrived last year. This year, he just looks like a guy who can't really do it anymore. So at $18 million, I just don't see a market for him. And especially with so many other receivers potentially available And Minnesota. I mean, yeah, they want to shed more salary. It's obvious. Um, But like, when you call them about tight end, you're asking about Eric Smith and they're pushing Kyle Rudolph. And it's like, yeah, eh, no,
0: it's like, you um, guys gave Kyle Rudolph that contract. Like he begged yeah. you to give him that contract. He's like, I will take anything. I just want to stay in Minnesota and Kyle Rudolph, friend of the program, uh, is an awesome guy and cares deeply about the community, but he's not a game changing tight end at his age, uh-huh. even with his deal. I mean, like he's, I mean, like, right. It's not going to work. And he, right. he doesn't Do want to get traded either.
1: no, I mean, do they eventually do something for –
0: excuse me. Bless you. I mean, Thielen is the guy that Um, I think would be – I think Thielen, I think, look,
1: either safety. They're very much open to um, moving. uh, The left tackle, you know, Uh, Reef is a possibility.
0: But the problem with the yeah. is, if they trade these guys, don't aren't they sort of admitting that it's a blow up situation? And how does that work for Rick Spielman's job security and Mike Zimmer's job security? You know what well, I mean? Like that's yeah, no, I, I
1: they their feeling there is that they've got pieces on offense. Um, <laughs> they need some help on the line, but they feel like when we get when we have Cousins and Cook and Jefferson's really coming on, and they think Irv Smith is starting to come into his own, and I tend to agree with them that they're going to have to try to build a team that wins that, you know, that, that wins by running up the score because the defense needs help at all three levels, you know, and even if, you know, when Hunter comes back, what is he like? I mean, what is he health wise? You know, they like bar, but the secondary is a mess. Um, you know, they get Mike, Michael Pierce opted out of COVID. They get him back. So they would sit there. They're not where they should be. They still think they're closer than they are, but they are realistic in that they've spent a ton of money. The last four years, they don't have much to show for it. Um, And they need to, and their payroll has been, or their their cap has been constricted uh, because of how, you know, how much they've spent in cash and that they need to create a little more wiggle room. Um, So yeah, they're, they're going to, people are going to continue to call about Thielen and it's not out of the realm of possibility that he's dealt, you know, they did a good job drafting a receiver this year. College is producing receivers because they run so much spread like never before. Um, Yeah. I, I think, He's someone who we should be talking about, and who has the potential to go. Um, you know, and, and, and yeah, they probably will make another trade or two. I'm, I'm not sure the significance of them, but they're they're listening.
0: What um, what the what will the Eagles be doing? The Eagles are weird. A- the <laughs> Eagles are
1: buy- dude. The Eagles are buying. I mean, the guys the Eagles want to trade Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, they've been trying to get out Alshon Jeffrey's contract for a calendar year. I mean, that thing is they're stuck with him. Um would they like to dump a couple salaries? Sure. Do they think anybody's gonna give them anything for those guys? No. Um but they want linebackers, man. Like if they got an Avery uh Williamson from the Jets or if they got uh a Zach Cunningham or something like that, they feel like the offensive line will be healthy after their buy. They're okay with their receivers. They like some of their young developmental guys and they've got enough money sunk into that position in old guys. Um they, they you know, they expect uh Goddard back after the buy they feel good there. I think their concerns are on the other side of the ball and yeah, linebackers for sure.
0: Uh, who, what other big names have you heard buzz about that could be moved? And again, like take this with the great, I mean, everything's with a great assault. salt. It's rumors. It's the NFL. It's COVID season. So it's, it's different um, than normal, but
1: I think we've covered a lot of them. Um, I'm just trying to think of any teams that we, we didn't hit on that, you know, that I've heard buzz on. I mean, I, I think that's, I think that that's pretty much it. I mean, that's pretty much what you're hearing, you know, the most about.
0: Okay. Um, all right. That's, uh, the trade deadline primer. If there's uh if there's big news, big trades, obviously we'll, uh, we'll have more emergency podcasts. I sort of anticipate JLC. It'll be a little more quiet than yeah. people want it to be because of the national circumstances. Yep. Um, but you'll you know you'll probably see like there'll be a bunch of buzz. There'll be a three hour special on probably on HQ, <laughs> probably on certainly on NFL network, and then it'll be, you know, like like, like Avery Williamson for a third. Yeah, Cal Rudolph for a six. Right, exactly. Uh all right. That's the uh trade deadline primer JLC. Follow him at at Jason Lockefora on Twitter. A great follow this time of year, of course. And um watching on CBS uh, the NFL on C B S. Thanks, bud. <laughs>
1: You got it, buddy. Have a good one. Thanks, man.
0: Right. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better